0: Welcome to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce with Cindy Stibbard. Cindy is ready to have those candid and unfiltered conversations, so you know how to move forward in your marriage. You'll hear inspiring and insightful discussions surrounding this taboo subject to help you feel confident in your decision. Now, here's your host, Cindy Stibbard. Hello, everyone.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Divorce Redefined. I'm your host, Cindy Stibbard. And those of you who come and listen to this podcast every week, you know how grateful I am to have you here. And you know that if you are in a situation where you're contemplating divorce, or you're thick in the process, or you're even on the other side, wanting to make better choices and redefine yourself and your life in the process, you have come to the right place. Whatever path you are on whatever stage you are at, my goal and purpose of this podcast is is to provide you with information education inspiration and empowerment so you can make the best decisions for you no matter what those decisions may be now you know that i don't i run this podcast free of sponsorship so that i can literally bring you as much airtime with myself and even my amazing guests as possible all in support of supporting you in whatever stage that you are going through But because of that, I do ask one thing of you each time, and that is to help me share this with as many people as possible. And the best way to do that is to rate and review as you listen to this podcast. So give us a five-star rating. That really helps get us in front of as many people who need this podcast as possible. And I genuinely thank you in advance for doing that because it truly, truly does help. Now today i'm super excited about the guest that we have on today brian reeves he is a life love and relationship coach who helps you create the life and love you deserve he also has a podcast called men this way and he has a book called choose her every day or leave her now i've been following brian for quite some time and both myself and my partner mike found a lot of inspiration in his teachings, in his viewpoint, especially around men and vulnerability, and found that it really helped us understand each other in the process of building our relationship. So I just want to welcome you, Brian, to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank
2: you. Hi, Cindy. I'm honored to be here. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, I'm so glad. I'm so glad to have you. And we, I mean, Mike and I have been following you for, for a while. And I remember when I first found your book, I'm like, choose your everyday reliever. And I said, you need to read this.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's how it often goes. Yeah. Uh So
1: tell us a little bit. I know I read your story um, where you began, but tell us a little bit about how this all began for you and what led you here.
2: Well, where to begin that story? I guess I'll just say that, you know, I, I got into my late 30s. Just having made disaster after disaster out of love, out of relationship. And despite always having great intentions, I had great intentions. (laughs) And yet the outcomes always sucked (laughs) for everybody, (laughs) you know, me and the women involved. And so, uh, you know, and I had, I was very educated. I have a master's degree in human relations. Mm -hmm. I had. Uh, I grew up with two strong mothers, my mom and my stepmom. Uh, you know, demonstrating to me, you know, b- building in me a healthy respect for women. I have three sisters. Um, I was in the Air Force. I had a lot of responsibility as an Air Force officer at a young age and still none of that prepared me for intimate relationship. In fact, a lot of that prepared me to fail at mm-hmm. intimate relationship actually. And so it was around, and we might, might unpack that a bit more, but mm-hmm. it was my late thirties, I'm, I'm now 49, and it was my late thirties when another relationship uh, just imploded in excruciating fashion
0: mm-hmm. that
2: I decided I, I, I refuse to be destined to fail at relationship for the rest of my life. Like I just, I'm done sucking at this. Mm-hmm. And that's when I really threw myself into the study of of intimacy, of uh, intimate relationship, and um, I mean, you know, life hasn't been the same since.
1: Right. Wow. What a journey of self discovery, especially from you know going from the Air Force and then into relationships. Mm-hmm. And let let's talk on that. Let's touch on that a little bit in terms of what you had had just said about mm-hmm. why you think that your past set you up more to fail at relationships than to succeed. What what was going on there?
2: Well, there's another part to that and and it's actually the first chapter in my book. So the book's called Choose Her Every Day or Leave Her and it's actually it's written for not just for men but for women also. But the very first chapter, I started off that book with the chapter titled No One Ever Taught Me How to Be a Man. Mm-hmm. And i wrote that in my late 30s i guess no one ever taught me how to be a man and in fact what i was taught was how to not respect women even though i had these strong female role models in my youth but what i was really taught was to value masculine values Mm. And and masculine ways of being, right? Right, being productivity oriented, outcome oriented, um, which is ironic because I I told you all my relationship outcomes were horrible, <laughs> <laughs> but it was because I, I had great intentions for good outcomes, but I was so affixed to having certain outcomes that the journey there, I, I had no idea how to just be in intimacy with 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 any other person i mean i was, you know a, a woman in, in in the intimate sense but even men i didn't know how to be intimate meaning vulnerable mm-hmm. authentic real with men either mm-hmm. so i mean that's what i mean like life prepared me to fail and i think it does this for really most men we're, we're set up to fail in relationships and uh, every, everything from you know, being in the military very much disconnected me from my body. Right. Now, most boys go through that anyway, especially as they, they, they come into adolescence, we start to learn, you know, not only do feelings not matter, they're, they're in the way. Mm-hmm. They're in the way of what? Of the outcome. We want whether it's to to you know get the football across the end zone line i don't care how you feel about it you get that ball into that end zone right or to i don't know have your have your your intimate relationship just work i don't care what we have to do here to make this work just just be happy everybody so you know nothing prepared me even my even my spiritual study. I, I, I studied a lot of Eckhart Tolle and Neil Donald Walsh, you know, conversations yes. with God, the power of now, uh, Byron Katie, like yeah. in my 20s and 30s, I threw myself into spiritual studies. But you know what, Cindy, none of that prepared me to be in genuine, intimate relationship with a woman. Mm. None of it. Eckhart Tolle had nothing to say
0: wow. to me
2: about how to be with a woman in intimacy yeah, and I don't mean sexually. I mean just how to be vulnerable, how to be right. real, how to be human, all of that,
1: yeah. I so. think do you think part of this, um because that that chapter of your book is what also really resonated with Mike when you talk about the importance of having that male father figure? and you talk about your father and your stepfather, how they mm. weren't, you know, really there. And yeah. this is what also resonated so much with him because, no one was really taught him how to be a man and there's a quote yeah. that you use actually in that chapter about from guy cameo the the more fragile a man feels internally the more likely he is to try building an outer mm. shell to hide his fragility and i mean if anyone who follows me knows that they've seen my partner he's like this he was he passed away four months ago but he was this rock solid muscle bound let's be as tough as possible on the outside so i can mask and shield my my core that's dying and begging for you know some kind of love on the outside. And yep. you were right, I think, so much when you talk about that mothers, as much as we try to to be that person for our sons, I try. I'm in a you know divorced relationship and single mom now. And I can't fill that that role like a like a man really can. And I think that important role is you know, it's it's incomparable to anything else, and you need to have that man role to, to grow into the man that you want to be.
2: You know, there, there's so much we could say about all of this, and 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 what I know to be true, anyway, as a person who is identified as a man, which I am, and I know there's a lot of talk these days about what does that even mean, and this and that, and right. that's okay. I, I right now, what I'm. The, the, the community that I serve are people who say, I am a man mm-hmm. and that's fine. Now we're going to explore what does that mean and what does that look like and wh- what comes with that, right? And and I think, not just I think, but but boys don't turn into psychologically mature men just by nature. Like it doesn't just happen naturally. You know, our bodies get older, sure. Our hormones change things happen biologically that, that we age physiologically, Mm -hmm. but psychologically, we, we don't just do that naturally, Mm -hmm. right? Psychologically to become adult psychologically to become mature as, as in this identity of man. well, Well, that's a, that's a training of sorts. There, there's, there's, there's rites of passage. There are There's mentoring that's required. There's mirroring even from other men that is required. And and, and I think that was one of the ways I was, again, surrounded by strong women and disoriented men
1: Mm. for the
2: first, you know, 30 years of my life. Right. Strong women and disoriented men. And when I say disoriented men, what I mean by that is men who were oriented around things that don't really matter, mm, yeah. usually money, yep. you know, status. not that it doesn't, status, exactly, you know, very much in a survival mindset. I mean, it was in the military, you know, so it was just all about discipline for the sake of what? Well, no one, I mean, okay, country, you know, following the orders, all that fine. But I, I couldn't often really connect to well, why am I doing this? What, what's mm-hmm. the why here? What's the, the deeper meaning? I, no one could really ever help me. No, Certainly no other man could come to me with something that really spoke to me on a deep level. And so, because they were disoriented too, they're just doing what, you know, they thought they're supposed to do and yeah. anyway, and on and on. And, you know, so imagine, I mean, a, a boy turning into a man surrounded by strong women and disoriented men.
1: I mean, what happens there, right? What happens there? yeah
2: where, where, where you know what am i living into but myself a disoriented man and that's what happened
1: and it's it's actually heartbreaking and i feel like I feel so connected to this because I can also see this happening, you know, with my own son right now. He's 15, not to, you know, throw his father under the bus in any way, but as a disoriented man grown up, not with with also a disoriented Mm -hmm. father. Like I think that just, this just happens. And you see that all of those things that you're talking about the status, Mm -hmm. the money, the things, the let's go on the trips. That's how I'm going to show you how I love you. And that's how you're going to learn how to be, you know, a a fully individual in this world. And, Mm -hmm so to see that disconnect of not having that sort of man that's attuned to his vulnerability which mike very much was so it's Mm. such a grand loss for my Mm. son even on that level but Mm. when you don't choose this right like when you're growing up like you did and like he does like he's not Mm. choosing to not have these father figures in their lives and sometimes the moms like myself look at this and i'm like okay how do i what do i do and in terms of that you know There might be a lot of – I know there's a lot of women who listen to this podcast who are single-handedly trying to raise these kids with dads who are not present. They are not vulnerable. They're just – they're not even there, let alone there, but not emotionally there. You know, what can you – what do you – advise especially for us moms like how can we at least try to fill some of those gaps for our sons before we're able to you know introduce them to people who can or or lead them to men who are more capable
2: oh or we
1: can't can't. (laughs) well
2: look i i've i've had many mothers write to me over the years um with that same question Mm -hmm. and I, I'm always, oh, the, f- the first thing that's always ever out of my mouth is, look, good on you for raising boys. Mm. You know, I know that is not an easy task. <laughs> it's right. just, that's an understatement of the century. You know, good, good on you. And, um, uh, you know, and, and the thing that I'd say to every parent, and I'm not a parent, so, uh, but – I, I know this to You've be true every, parented
1: every and you watch parenting, parented, you know. <laughs>
2: yeah. every parent, you're going to mess up your kids, right? Yeah. Just, it's just part of parenting. You, mm. I mean, what else are they going to have to do therapy around if you don't right. screw them up a little bit? <laughs> I mean, you got to get them something to work with in adulthood. That's right. So, you know, take the pressure off yourself to, to do it. Perfect. But, um, it really is a, a great challenge that I know a lot of single moms or, or moms that are raising children who are sons. And in this case, we're talking, again, as you said, like with, with dads that are in the picture mm-hmm. but are not the role models you want for your child. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I often will um, offer to, to single moms is, is I think one of, the, one of the greatest lessons you can give your son is what are your uh, is how to treat a woman right to be the example mm-hmm. of a woman who has boundaries who uh, knows her worth you could say mm-hmm. right who will not allow herself to be mistreated not just by other men but even by her son yeah. and i know that's a delicate balance because you know boy is without you know, there's this uh, fascinating uh, study Uh, that, that I was, I often think about when I think about boy, uh, male adolescents and the challenges they face when, when fathers aren't around. And it was actually uh, something that happened on an elephant reserve a few decades ago. All of the male adult elephants had been poached. Hmm. They'd been killed by, Hmm. by poachers. And so here on this elephant reserve, there was nothing but uh, uh, adult females and then adolescent in baby uh, males and females? Well, the adolescent males in the absent of adult males started to run wild. They started to actually uh, go into what's called musk earlier, right? That their, their actual like their puberty where they start to become sexually active and, and engaged and, and aggressive. And they started to uh, destroy the environment. Uh, they became a terror. They were attacking females. And they, the people who were managing this park, uh, the idea that they came up with to manage this was, well, let's ship in some elder males from another, uh, refuge. Mm -hmm. And they did that. And that was what finally brought these adolescent, uh, elephant male, male elephants back into kind of a balance, a stasis, homeostasis with, with the, the, the way of things. And so, you know, I say that mm-hmm. because I think to some degree uh no matter how perfectly a mom does it, her boy is going to have to rebel in some way. He's going to have to you know, every boyhood to manhood rite of passage involves some separation from mother. Right. For that boy. And when there's no male elders helping him navigate that and there mm-hmm. aren't for most boys. I mean, I went through this with my mom. In a sense like i had to hate her for a couple of years and my mom's it's right, amazing it's the
1: right of passage, right that we deal it's with. tragic
2: because <laughs> yeah. nobody was explaining to any of us what was going on here but i was probably yeah i was like 19 years old 18 19 and mm-hmm. and i i i found out when i went to college that my mom had lied about something
1: Mm. Uh that
2: that and it pissed me off.
1: Right. Changing your that. image of her, right?
2: Totally. What a fraud she is. Yeah. How dare <laughs> yeah. she? She says she so has so much integrity and all this. <laughs> Screw that woman. She doesn't know it. You know, <laughs> I had to go through this, this I had to, in order to to begin to really step into my own identity as a man, I had to antagonize my mom. I had to tell her all the dangerous things I was doing at school. She hated it, but I reveled in it.
1: Right. Watching her sweat. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh, she
2: hated hearing it, you know, driving fast and what my friends and I were up to the daredevil things we were doing. But I, I only know now that it was, it was, it was an act of, I was like initiating myself. Right. Very hurtful, unskillful ways, but nobody else was doing it for me.
1: Yeah.
2: Right. So again, I I just want to offer a lot of compassion to, to, to single moms that, you know, Again, good on you for what you're doing and, um, you know, that are raising boys. And and just know that I think it's, it's just naturally going to be a bumpy ride.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And no matter how you cut it, I think parenting is definitely a bumpy ride. But learning right. also how to model healthy relationships, you know, as best as you can early on. You know, I see that a lot of couples when I deal with couples that are that are struggling or going through wanting to go through divorce, but think they should stay for the kids Mm -hmm. instead, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's a big thing that I that I deal with all the time. One of my big core areas that I work with people is making that decision. But should we stay Mm -hmm. for the children? And I mean, I disagree with that i think Mm -hmm. that kids are not going to learn healthy love if you stay Mm -hmm. in a toxic or disordered relationship or dysfunctional Mm -hmm. you know they're only going to catch what what you do you know they can see it they learn it but they also catch behavior and if they don't aren't modeled healthy behavior how are they going to learn what that is yeah what's where do you stand on that
2: well my parents divorced when i was four and it was incredibly traumatic, one of the most traumatic moments of my life. But I'm four. I mean, I didn't even know what was going on. I just knew dad was leaving the house and he wasn't coming back. Mm-hmm. So while it was one of the most traumatic moments of my life, it was also one of the most important. And I'm glad that it happened moments of my life because because had my parents stayed together, oh my God, I'd be a fucking neurotic basket case. I'm sure of it. <laughs> okay. The example of love and relationship they would have given me would have just been a nightmare
0: right. to live
2: inside of. And on top of that, they would both go on to marry other partners yeah. uh, in, the, in, the fall, in the next five, six years. People who brought so much more richness into my life. It's like mm-hmm. I got a bigger village mm-hmm. because my parents separated and brought in other people, other people who had their own families and their own things. And they like, my life is so much richer Right for having had that undeniably traumatic moment at four years old. So it's, I think we, we can get caught in the in the in the uh, either you know damned if I do, damned if I don't. Yeah. You know if I if I stay, we're damned. If I leave, we're damned. And and that can be paralyzing for a lot of people. Well, I I I think you know, life lived well, relationships done well is kind of a paradox. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a horrible traumatic event, a divorce. No, I don't. I've been through a divorce myself uh, with a relatively young marriage, it was only eight months, um, long, but it felt like okay. eight years, yeah. but it was only eight months. And again, it was incredibly traumatic and painful. I, I got, I had to leave an entire country. I was living in France. Oh wow! I had to leave a whole life because I couldn't stay because we were no longer staying married. And, and again, though, I mean, it's one of the most important decisions and, and, and I'm glad that it happened decisions of my life. Right. So, And it was still painful and traumatic.
1: Yeah. And that's such a bold position to take because you look at your the way that maybe your relationships ended. Do you think that they were impacted by your parents getting divorced or they were just going to happen that way anyways, even role modeled that unhealthy, dysfunctional love?
2: Well, that's a great, that's a really great question. You know, I I was looking through your, your Instagram earlier and you said something about, um, you know, when relationships end, we're taught that that means they're failures.
1: Mm-hmm. Actually, Mark and, Groves said that, so I'm not going oh, to give him credit. Oh, you reposted Mark, Mark Groves' thing. Okay. Yes. But, but but I had to because like that is brilliant, right? It's so true. Like when yeah, something I, ends, I, someone's yeah. told us along the way that it's a failure.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I, I'm, I'm like you, uh, I don't hold that view. I, I don't hold that mm-hmm. view at all, not for a second. In fact, I think it could be one of our greatest successes to leave a relationship mm-hmm. whose time is complete. Yeah. Um, if anything, uh, again, I don't really like the word failure. As a, certainly not as a, you know, as a defining characteristic of an experience. I mean, yeah, things don't work out the way I wanted them to, but um, I, I'm committed to learning something from anything that happens. And if I learn from whatever happens, then that to me is a success. Yes. And and look, Cindy, my my parents divorce, and then. All the things that happened in the years after, even the the people they brought into my life, all that that has all absolutely played a role in my adult relationships, in my both my dysfunctions, mm-hmm. uh, the ways that again I just did not know how to do intimacy, um, you know my my sensitivities, my tr- triggers, my the things that would make me upset, the the things I was reacting to that again I. It's because it was my stepfather that I was seeing through this woman in front of me, but I didn't realize that. I mean, yeah. of course, all of that, uh, you know, one of the things that when I, when I do relationship work uh, with, with men and with couples is we explore a lot of that childhood stuff because mm-hmm. I, it absolutely flavors and it sure did for me Um, how I've showed up, how we show up, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, my wife and I were together for eight years and we still navigate these moments of, you know, she turns me into her dad and I turn her into my dad, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, but or to my, be
1: aware of those, like that yeah. takes it to the whole nother level to even have that Definitely. awareness of like, okay, what's, what am I projecting here? Where is this coming 100%. from? and How is this coming out on you? On you?
2: 100%. That makes all that's that's what makes the difference. It's not not getting rid of that stuff that makes the difference cuz for a lot of that stuff is not get rid of get riddable, get yes. get ridable is that a word? It's not, but <laughs> yeah. I like it. But no, like you like you just said, just mm-hmm. being able to say, you know, okay, I realized what just happened is my, you know, my 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 dad used to talk to me like that. He used to say that that and and that's why I reacted that way. My bad. I'm sorry. And can we, can we like maybe find a different way to do this next time? Because that's the way that you did that right there is very triggering for me.
1: Oh my gosh. And it's these communication skills, just like you're saying that I think we're so lacking because we don't learn these. And I feel that. Many men are also very resistant to going deeper into that and so don't want to go there and and and, and do the work around, okay, what happened? Where, where am I coming from? How can I catch myself and be accountable? So I think a lot of times men just be quiet, let women be upset, do the, the thing, and then they apologize and get on their way instead of like really actually repairing it. So, you know, in your brilliant work with men, what's the resistance for going there and really doing the work and getting deep in yourself. Uh,
2: what's the resistance? My gosh. <laughs> you know, it's so it's so tragic because w- when men just start learning some some simple skills, some, some simple communication skills, get a few little, you know, insights, see things a little bit differently, the very thing that men want to do more than anything, which is solve problems, it starts to it starts to actually happen.
0: Ah, the, the, yes. The, the,
2: the, we, it, the, the problems that we think we're having in the relationship actually just kind of many of them dissipate. They're not even, they're not problems to be solved so much as differences to be danced with and navigated. Mm-hmm. And once we learn that, like the very thing that we want most starts to come to us. We we get to start experience more harmony in relationship, and so it really is tragic. Uh, but you know, what's the resistance? I mean, no one ever taught us how to be men. That's the resistance. We don't know. We have very strange and unfortunate, and, and I would say more, I'd, I'd say we have more survival based ideas about what it means to be a man. Right. You know, a man, you, you, you don't talk, you act.
1: Right. You take yeah.
2: action. <clears throat> you know, you don't feel, you fight, mm. you know, or you you do what must be done. So again, these are very survival based Approaches to what being a man is, and for most of our history, we've probably needed those mindsets. Yeah,
1: true. Yeah. Right.
2: Yeah. The modern, the modern era is like these are antiquated mindsets being applied in a modern era when it it, it it doesn't serve. Yeah. In the same way, right? I mean, we should still know how to fight. We should still know how to take action. All of that. But what what we must learn in this modern era is how to have feelings, how to Mm -hmm. be connected to the people around us, um, how to, I mean, it's a privilege that we get actually, but I think a lot of men are still living in the old antiquated stories. And so despite all of our comfort, miserable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of men are really unhappy. And it's so sad to watch because when men can become vulnerable, it is beautiful. And it's actually extremely sexy and attractive for women to see men be able to lean into that side of them. You know, it's amazing for men to be masculine and protective and, you know, manly. But part of that that connection is seeing that inner core. Like, let me see you as who you really are, and I want to see that vulnerability and that hurt. And for a man to even be willing to try to go in there, regardless of like, yeah, make anything perfect. Nothing's ever going to be perfect, but you're willing to go there. Okay, let's talk. I want to yeah. be with you. You know what I mean? Yeah,
2: yeah, hundred percent. How long were you with your partner? Your your last partner?
1: Um, so we were together for five and a half years. Five and a half um, years. years. Yeah. And we, you know, we actually left our marriages for each other. So it was quite a a huge crisis that we put our families Mm. in and situations. Mm. And it's not something that I would, I'm ever proud of, but I'm very open about Mm. it. Mm. Um, But as we, you know, we built a relationship we invested so much into our own self-work right away because Mm -hmm. it was all about let's break these patterns because we know that we left each other not because our spouses were all at fault (laughs) we Mm. have a shit ton of work to do on Mm. ourselves Mm. and let's go into that and figure out how we can how we cannot let this happen again and we started right away going into therapy and you know he was a former a former addict, seven years sober. So there was mm. he also grew up in a very abusive household. Yeah. So there's a lot of that going on and that armor mm. was built for for a reason. Yeah. And yeah. but as we dug, you know, into that. The beauty and like you said, the ability to solve problems when his communication started to change instead of him swallowing it or just dealing with it or brushing under Mm -hmm. the rug or letting me have my way because, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm the woman with the voice, (laughs) Mm -hmm. the louder voice. You know, he started to feel really empowered and the more empowered he became in being vulnerable and changing those communication skills, the more I was like even more attracted to him thinking, wow, Mm -hmm. you're so powerful in this way too. Yeah. Which is amazing to see a man do. Yeah,
2: that's beautiful, and it, and it sounds like your your son at least got five and a half years of exposure to this man who was was into committed to to growing as a man.
1: Yeah, he really really was. Five and a half years is is a, I'm grateful for that. It wasn't yeah. long enough, but um, yeah. at least that's what we had. Yeah. Um, and I want to talk about a little bit about you know how you discovered. And how you woke up. Because in your book you talk mm. about the um the the woman that you married in France, I believe, and didn't work yeah. out.
2: No, it didn't.
1: <laughs> and you when you left you said you woke up or she woke you up to how poorly you loved. And yeah. to, to be able to also see yourself and take accountability for the breakdown of a relationship knowing that you weren't showing up in the best way, like that's yeah. pretty huge.
2: <laughs> well, yeah. And look, I guess, look, I'll take some credit, but part of the credit also belongs to the women who refused to let me get away with my adolescent bullshit. <laughs> right. Not that they did that in any skillful mm-hmm. manner, right? They had their own lack of, of maturity at play, but I always chose strong women that would not let, because my moms, look at my mom, as my moms. Mm, yeah. My mom, I stopped strong women. Right. right who you you couldn't push over who were had their own vision had their own sense of their own center that my you know they, it's like they had a lot of masculine capacity and i was drawn to that in, right. in women and so and and women were drawn to me there's more of this i wouldn't say i was soft but i was i was um i i was uh very disconnected from mm. my core from my center i was i was I was disoriented. I was lost Mm. as a young man, you know? And so I was, I would be attracted to women who themselves didn't seem lost. Like they were found. (laughs) They knew where they were going. I was like, oh, well, let me hitch my wagon to your, to your star. that's, I mixed metaphors there, but we, we get the idea. (laughs) And, and then, you know, when I didn't know how to be an adult, when I didn't know how to apologize, when I didn't know how to, take responsibility for how my behavior did impact them when i didn't know how to do those things they these women that, that i was with the, the, the french woman that i had married uh later another woman that i lived with for a few years like they just would not let me get away with it mm-hmm. and um I, so look, I've always had a curious mind. I do think that's something that's, that I'm, I'm grateful for. I've always been very interested in, in the bigger questions in life. And I think, you know, that, that, but, but had women not challenged me, had women not had boundaries with me, had they, you know, in some way, you know, i I talk about this sometimes too, how for, because we don't have any boyhood to manhood rites of passage, not, not really healthy, thoughtful ones. We have a lot of you know, pseudo rites of passage, like, you know, Mm -hmm. fraternity hazings and uh, even, you know, sports teams, they always haze the rookie. They do terrible things to the rookie. You know, there's a lot of adolescence initiating adolescence, you know, but there's not true male adults initiating boys into manhood. Mm -hmm. Well, what happens then is for a lot of us, our intimate relationships become the container of transformation from boy to man. The right. problem with that is, it is not for women to be. It is not for our intimate partners to be holding that container for our transformation.
1: Yes, and parenting, you guys, you know. No. Yeah.
2: Not yeah. initiating us into an. You know, you hear a lot about. I've heard a lot of this. I've heard this a lot about how you know women might be with a. a a woman might be with a, a man who who does act very immature and he's very adolescent in many ways. He doesn't take responsibility. doesn't know how to apologize, all this stuff. And she's afraid. She knows that she can't continue in the relationship, but she's afraid if she leaves him, all of a sudden, then he's gonna get better. And the next right. woman's gonna get a better, get the version of him that she wants.
1: Yes, or I've seen that she doesn't, she feels like she's not gonna be able to take care of himself. You know, I can't, I can't leave mm. because he's not gonna be able to manage, without right? Me. Right. And so there's this whole like mm. codependency, but you know, right. this parent, this parentifying type thing yes. going on yeah. with the woman.
2: A hundred percent. And, and Again, in the boyhood to manhood rites of passage, boys have to prove that they can take care of themselves, that they can overcome whatever the ordeal is they're presented with, with, whether it's to go kill a lion or or stick your hand in a glove full of, uh, in a banana leaf glove full of, um, uh, what are they called? Those ants. Uh, there's a, a, a rite of passage. Uh, I can't remember what a bullet ants. That's oh, a rite of wow. passage that that adolescent boys go through down in South America in the Amazon. They they have to withstand ten minutes of being bitten by the most oh. painful insect on the planet. Like it has the and there's hundreds of them in there biting them, and they can't they can't cry out. Right? It's
0: torture. They have,
2: it is well. It's it's an initiation. It's an ordeal. Right. Yeah. It's an ordeal. And so I I, 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 you know, what you're saying, you're, I so get, yeah, I've heard that a lot as well. I'm afraid he won't be able to take care of himself. And yeah, I mean, look, um, it's, tr- it's a tragic reality of the modern day that yes, our intimate relationships are the, the, the containers of, of, of ritual transformation for a lot of men. And they're not supposed to be that. And, yeah. but they have become that. And it's uh, kind of a shit show for everybody.
1: And yeah, it is. And sometimes I feel like it is what you need to almost push them in that direction. You know, like maybe ending a relationship and where you are, you are the parent still and that, that man or even women Mm -hmm. aren't working on themselves, you know, at what point you do have to cut the cord, you know, this is Mm -hmm. actually also benefiting you so that I can allow you to go and be the man or woman you need to be and find that person who you need to be with, because I can't keep holding yeah. this and being responsible for you
2: yeah um, yeah there's a there's a chapter in my book actually uh the the chapter title is sometimes the best thing you can do for a man is leave him mm-hmm. oh my god. that's that's confronting to people
1: that's hugely confronting, and that's that's the big scare. You know, I work with a group every single week. I don't know if I can leave him because of this, of these reasons as yeah. well. Because also, too, I think a lot of women get to this point where he's not a bad man. He's not yeah. a bad person. He's a nice yeah. guy. He's a mm-hmm. good parent. We get along. But there's mm-hmm. that spark missing, that that underlying deep, intimate connection. or there's Or there's a willingness to change, but I feel like sometimes there's this, like, Difference between willingness mm-hmm. and capacity, you know, like a man yeah, could be super sure, willing, right. like I'll do whatever you want to make you happy and change, <laughs> right. but then they haven't done the work to be able to yeah. actually know how to make those changes, right? And so yeah. then you have these repeating patterns yeah. over and over yeah. and over. And
2: and, and what what uh, in in that um, in that chapter, what I, I talk about is, and most therapists that work with couples will will we'll, <laughs> we'll, will will back this up. Men, we tend to not really step into personal growth work until we have no choice, (laughs) until we know, like we have to hit rock bottom. Like we know without a doubt, if I don't do this thing, if I don't really step into taking ownership of of this experience and and create change, if I don't do that, then I'm going to lose the most important thing to me. Right. Until men have that realization, most men are like, ah, I got this. I can wing this. You know, she she ain't gonna really leave. You know, right. I don't really have to do all those things. I mean, yeah, she's she's angry and frustrated, but so what? I can deal with that. I hell, I'm angry and frustrated all the time. What's the big deal? <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's it's a it's a real thing. I mean, men men rise in the face of of challenge of of, of death. Right? If if death, I mean, the most exciting thing in sports is sudden death over time <laughs> yeah. we men live for it yeah. sudden death death is on the line we <laughs> live for that in sports
1: right well
2: because it, it's enlivening to us in, a, in this w- w- bizarre way but it's so enlivening and i think the same is true in relationship if we just think ah she's always going to stay no matter what i do well what's the what difference does it make than what i do
1: yeah yeah, what exactly? And then and then you don't do anything and then you stay in the same place. And it's sometimes I feel like there's almost like this, this acquisition period or this victory, like when you get married, it's all about, OK, now I'm married. I can relax. I'm going to do nothing. now. I got her like she's mine and we can just coast, you know, and I don't have to take the pressure off of like what I have yeah. to do and perform and show up. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we're supposed to have sex. We're supposed to go for dinner. All the things are in place, but I've got the ring on the finger. So now we can just relax. Yep. Yeah.
2: Yep that's where things start to go downhill.
1: <laughs> yeah. So ta- let's talk about how you met your wife because yeah. Sylvie Kukaskian, yeah. is that you her last name?
2: Kukaskian.
1: Cassian. She is brilliant. She's yes, unbelievable. Yeah, and you. the two of you together, I just love like watching your thank love story. You just seem so dynamic and so, you know, too. so stable, which I also find is very peaceful and and hopeful mm. to watch. Mm. Thank you. Tell us how you met her, because I know that, you know, you had uh, a few, I love how you also open and honest you are about your yeah. divorces and your relationships in your book. Yeah. And so what changed for you yeah. to have been brought to her? Mm-hmm. Um, and she's also a, a relationship coach, which I think is awesome. And uh, yeah, where are you guys now? Because eight years, years—that's that's very successful. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you for that reflection. It's really nice to hear. Um, Yeah, she's amazing. She's a special woman for sure. And and I met her when I was forty one, and I I think this is also very relevant to what we're talking about here as well. Uh, What we've been talking about these past few minutes, because when I met her, I I had tried everything to you know make. I'm a relationship guy. I always have been. I've never really wanted to be a serial dater or a, or a, you know, someone who sees lots of women, like that's just never been good for my constitution. So, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm suspicious of polyamory. Look, I'm not anti anything. I'm certainly not anti that, but I'm suspicious of it. Yeah. Uh, so I really wanted to be in a relationship. Uh, for most of my adult life, and I wasn't ready for a long time, but I still wanted it. Mm-hmm. I tried everything, Cindy. Everything. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, all the dating websites. I mean, I tried to turn women who were not mine into <laughs> mine. You know, who I that I knew weren't for me, but I like so right. want. You know what I mean? So, um, and when I met Sylvie, I I met her. I think just three months after I met her in, I guess. Well, we started talking in august of 2015 uh, we met in person later in september but i three months prior in march maybe three four months whatever that is i had finally landed in this place where okay i've tried everything and i clearly can't make this happen <laughs> so I, I i i did this pride this this was the birth of a practice of mine that i called uh uh uh, command and surrender. Like I know what I want. Mm-hmm. I want an extraordinary relationship with with an amazing woman who who supports me, who who whom I can support. Who blah blah blah. I know what I want, and totally willing to not have it. Like if if life wants me to not have that experience, okay, yeah. fine. I'm willing. I surrender.
1: Surrender. I was going to say that, that you were just completely surrendering to the universe there.
2: Again, I didn't give up the dream. Mm -hmm. I didn't go cynical, right? I think a lot of us take the path of cynicism. Ah, love sucks. You know, men or women, they're they're impossible. This will never work. I'll never Mm -hmm. get married again. Whatever. I didn't go that route. And I had some really painful relationship experiences. I had plenty of cause for cynicism, Mm -hmm. but that's never been a, a useful path to take. So, you know, I, I just, for me, command and surrender, I command like life, bring me this woman right I can't do it. it's clearly above my pay grade <laughs> to, <laughs> to find her you know so life take over, and I'm gonna go just live my best life and and do me as 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 you know f- from my deepest excitement and inspiration, and that's what I was doing and and I, I literally. Three months. What, what, what month is August? Is that three? August is eight. I'm sorry, March. That's like five months. Let's okay. just say five months. That's I met Silly within that, you know, oh, shortly God. after arriving at that place that <sighs> clear in my vision, willing to for it to never come to fruition. And um I felt sadness. I mean, I didn't want I, I didn't want it to never come to fruition, but it was it was true surrender. I was willing for it you know, yeah. and, and to feel the sadness of that possibility to really be in it. But what that gave me access to Cindy was, was the clarity that until there is a hell yes woman in my midst, mm. it's no, mm. that's all. Mm-hmm. No, there's no such thing as a hell maybe. Yeah. Right. Yes. And, and that gave me new access to being able to say no to whomever i knew on some level wasn't for me mm-hmm. wasn't right for me and me for her right, right? and when you that met was, her
1: was this a hell yes right away
2: it, when we met in person uh i knew i thought i thought i was walking into a, a little coffee date for an hour it'd be right. in and out an hour uh five hours later you know we're sitting in her car we closed down that coffee shop and we're sitting in her car just connect, i mean it was amazing you know, and, and yeah, it was pretty much, it, it took my brain mm-hmm. a long, longer time to catch up to what was actually happening. Cause again, all my stuff now starts to come up, all my relationship, the the walls that I still have up, sure. it took me a long time. You know, you said something interesting, uh, that, that, that we appear stable
0: mm-hmm. and
2: that's, I, I believe that we are, and it's taken me years to trust mm-hmm. in relationship at all right,
1: right child
2: of divorce you know yeah. parents left when i was four i was i mean all my basic needs were taken care of but i was largely neglected right. from then on you know left left on my own really yeah i learned to become hyper independent and you know avoidance you can say avoidant mm-hmm. avoidantly attached and hyper independent male mm-hmm. and you know I it took me years to trust like okay this, like, we're, we're really doing this.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like, you? Is this you? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, you
2: know, and, and those years at times were difficult because Sylvie had her own stuff coming up. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we've done ourselves a lot of therapy as well. You know, we've worked with uh, therapists, coaches, you know, we, yes, she is a, she has been a therapist for many years. She's now really functioning more as a coach. Uh, I've been a coach and an author writing about all these relationship things for like, and yeah, we, we see, we work with, you know, a third party often when something is bigger than us, you know, we, we know it's, this is big, this is bigger than what you and I can, can really handle well. Yeah. And that's been so helpful. It's been invaluable. I don't think we'd be together if not for that.
1: Of course. It's a journey, right? I think that we never get to the destination. It's always just about growing and learning and, and keeping it going together. And I love how you talked about um, like completely surrendering to the universe and just saying, you know, like, give me, just bring me whoever you're going to bring me or not. And it's almost Mm -hmm. like you stopped the manic manifesting, you know, in a way of like, I want this to happen so, 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 so bad. that You actually (laughs) blocked it, you know, and the moment that you allowed yourself to just go with it, they're like, okay, here's the time. And here's the woman. And when you thought about someone, did you have a, An idea of like who you wanted this to be in terms of like what did what did she need to have in order to be with you
2: oh a thousand percent i mean i had believe me when i tell you i did everything cindy (laughs) i mean everything i had written letters (laughs) to this imaginary woman i had written poems about her like who like i had i mean there was a time i was i was getting ready i was going to put something out on facebook that i had written this beautiful i think it's a really beautiful writing that i did it was for myself envisioning this woman and you know, what she sounds like, what she stands for, how she moves in the world. Like there was just so, I, I, I you know, it's like, remember that old that old 80s movie, Weird Science, where oh, those yeah. two <laughs> adolescent kids type into a computer and yeah, out with pops. Kelly
1: LeBrock is the big Kelly, poster yes. that everyone has on their wall when you're growing <laughs> exactly. up. Exactly.
2: <laughs> I totally had my own version of that, you know, programmed into my psyche. And um, again, I think, I think before that moment of, of surrender, every new woman i would meet i would project that yearning onto her Mm. please be her and and for the most part within five seconds i would know this isn't her right just because i don't know there's something ineffable about that experience um uh you know for some some women it might have taken a month or so you know a couple weeks but i still always knew pretty quickly but that that like you said, I was getting in my own way because I just so quickly projected that yearning, that longing onto every woman that I would meet. And so I was just mm-hmm. endlessly disappointed, frustrated, you know, and I still wanted companionship. I mean, it was just a, you know, I was just, again, disoriented man. Just, just, just looking for mommy, yeah. you know, oh in, in every woman I met. Yeah. And so, yeah, when I met, met Sylvia, I was just like, I was in such a state of, of, of uh, again, like You know, attached to detachment, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know how to say it. It's again, it's like very paradoxical. I knew what I wanted and I was so willing to not have it.
1: Wow. Was she it? Was Sylvia it? Everything that you wrote about?
2: Uh, so much. Yes. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. likewise, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, look, what I wrote was, was my Kelly LeBrock perfection, you know, <laughs> yeah. my adolescent version, my, my 35 <laughs> year old, you know, version of that. No, no woman could live up to that, but, <laughs> uh, but no, so, so, we, so many things. I mean, I remember one of the things like, like, you know, she had a, a a a voice of of an angel, but, but you know, she could be devilish too. Like I've, you know, look for the, the the yin and the yang. I want the, the dark Mm. and the light, you know, and I think all of us do, we want that in our partner. And yeah, oh my God, my wife, she is feisty. Everyone thinks she's so innocent and so sweet. (laughs) And she is, she will cut you if you fuck around, if you don't, you know, if you don't watch out, like she, she is ferocious in the best ways. I love her to death. She's great. I
1: love that. I love that. And I love how you also, you know, the the fuck yes thing, because when you're also in this, in this place of trying to get to know someone again, I mean, I'm not on the dating scene yet, because I'm still mm, yeah. healing, but everyone says like, when you get back out there, you may you maybe give people a try. And I'm like this, why? Yeah. I, I, I'm on yeah. either fuck yes, or I'm a no, like this yeah. is just not yeah. going to happen. And yeah. I think that you just have to feel it in your body, whether this yeah. is, and when you're lasting yeah. for coffee for five hours, clearly your body doesn't oh, want to yeah. go. <laughs> we knew. And that
2: was it. Our bodies were like, whoa, this feels really interesting. Yeah. Inter- yeah. Like, whoa, something's different here. Like there was an ease. There was a, and again, we went through our stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. it wasn't easy, sure, but there was a deep, deep safety in, that we felt with each other. That ironically, that deep safety also allowed some of our deeper darknesses to emerge our deeper wounds and traumas and yeah. a lot of people think oh my god this is the wrong relationship for me because this stuff's coming up well right. actually that stuff could be coming up because it's the right relationship for you it's tricky yes.
1: oh work i with love th- that
2: that's why work, work with a third party to help you figure that out
1: i love that and even you're saying that when you guys have been together for eight years and i think that you start yeah. early is the best Uh, brian thank you for being here i'm so inspired by this conversation and i love everything that you share i love your book everyone should go out and get brian's book choose her every day or leave her um and tell everyone where they can find you yeah
2: my my website is is one-stop shopping for my book for my blogs Mm -hmm. for all my social medias and it's brian with a y -Y b-r-y-a-n that's important Mm -hmm. Uh, Brian Reeves, R.E.E.V.E.S. dot com, and yes, if you're connected to a man that's that's that needs or wants or is ready for real support in his life and in, in his relationship journey, uh, I am send, send them my way.
1: Love it, love it. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you, and I wish you all the best in life and love.
2: Thank you so much, Cindy. This has been a, a pleasure and an honor. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce. We hope Cindy and her guests were able to put your mind at ease and help you make the right decision for your marriage. We wish you a beautiful week. All of us know that it is next to impossible to make rational, logical, and even smart decisions from a place of fear. Most times if we are in a place of fear and uncertainty, we won't make a decision at all. Cindy supports many individuals and couples at this stage who have been unhappy and unfulfilled, who are either currently in the process of divorce or just only contemplating the idea of separation. Cindy's clients are wise and brave enough to realize that they need to know more before they are able to make such a big life decision. Working with a divorce coach at these stages is the smartest investment you could make for yourself and your family, and it will almost always set you up for a better outcome, whether you choose the path of divorce or not. There have been many individuals and couples who have decided to give their marriage another shot after working with Cindy. As a divorce coach, certified divorce specialist, and qualified discernment counselor, Cindy is an advocate of healthy relationships, whether a couple chooses to separate or try to stay together. She provides new insights, education, guidance, emotional support, and understanding of the many possible options for both individuals and couples who are on the brink of separation. At the end of the day, as Maya Angelou once said, when we know better, we do better. This is exactly the focus and purpose of working with Cindy. Are you considering separation or currently in the process of divorce and feeling overwhelmed, afraid, and confused about what this means for your future and that of your children? Do you want to make the right decision without regrets? Why keep waiting? Book a free confidential discovery call with Cindy today. Text DIVORCE to 604-200-6446 or email info at divorceredefined.ca.